Welcome everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, super excited for the opportunity we have to chat it up with Bo Euler of Enlisted Design about his uh, journey in building various successful businesses and, and contributing to those businesses along the way. What up, Bo? Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for How having you doing? me on. Yeah, Looking man. forward to the conversation. Likewise. Really excited to to dig in on um, what you're all about. I mean, first and foremost, the the hair is hair, just man, on point. <laughs> just uh, looking down. It just today. keeps growing and growing. There's, <laughs> there's not much I can do about it. Just try to tame it every morning. Uh, no doubt. Yeah, <laughs> I have a brother who went to a barber that like custom, uh, like all he does is cut curly hair. Like that's his thing. Wow. Like, have you okay. ever have you ever done that? Like, gone to like a no, curly hair specialist. I've heard of these places, um, and I've never never been to one. I when I moved from Oakland to Salt Lake, it took me about six months to find a barber who had ever even cut curly hair. <laughs> and so, um, but I did. I finally found somebody, and gratefully, she's about two doors down from the Salt Lake. Oh, studio. oh nice. So there you go. She's she's helping me manage the chaos. That's amazing. I'm, I follow this girl on TikTok. I can't remember her name right now, but she's been going through a journey of embracing her curls and her process yeah. of, uh, you know, yeah, loving those locks, that, which is great. You just kind of have to do that. Yeah. You just have to do that. I, I, I didn't really have very curly hair until I hit puberty. And then when I did, it was just like, I remember, so I grew up on the coast and in California, and I remember surfing this one day, getting out, just shaking my head, and then just it just dried. And it was like when I was like 14 or so. And I was just like, wait a second. I have super curly hair. When did that happen? And then it was just like, it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger over the years. That's insane. So did you grow up uh, like surfing culture and, and uh, kind of skate, yeah, very, surf? Yeah, very much so. That's yeah, awesome. surf, skate, snow. I uh, grew up in Carmel, California. It's like two hours south of San Francisco, uh, you know, Monterey, Pebble Beach, Carmel. Um, <clears throat> And I uh, grew up pretty close to the beach, walkable, and surfed probably six days a week and when there was surf. And yeah. it was great. Loved it. Uh, came from a surfing family. My parents grew up in San Clemente, California, which is South Orange County. My brother lives my there right now. still lives there. It's a good spot. They're, oh, really? prob they're probably homies. Yeah. yeah. It's a good, that's a good yeah, area. We yeah. try to visit them Yeah, often. it's a great area. Love it. Still go down there often. So, yeah, and then dope. a lot of my family's in the surf industry as well. So it worked for- Super cool. They've worked for you know every brand you can imagine. My cousin's been the VP of design at Stance for the last seven years, uh, Stance Socks. Yep. And uh, it's just yeah, fun to see them grow those brands down there. It's amazing what they've what they've done and the brand that they've built is is really really awesome. And yeah, and, you know and that, that's somebody that you should have on the podcast. He's we got should. stories, dude. We should. He's got yeah. Crazy stories. <laughs> yeah, we should. Uh, we'll we'll put that on our list because they've. Yeah, they've done some cool stuff, and I, I, you know, had some challenges, but fought through it, and and it's yep. it's always a journey. Uh, so exactly, yeah, that's amazing. So, talk to us a little bit about um, where this you know obsession with with design and creativity, uh, you know, first job or inspiration that really. Um, was that moment did you always know that you were creative was it something that you developed through school like walk us through a little bit about that journey of of really embracing your creative side cool so um let's see i think the 
there's two things. There's the creative side and then there's the entrepreneurial side. And I think that kind of makes this this really interesting blend of the way that that I think. Uh, on the entrepreneurial side, I'll share a story when I was like probably five or six. Um, it was summertime in Carmel, which means it was probably like, you know, 61 degrees. It's cold every day there. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the front porch. My my mom, we have four boys in my family. And my mom was just like out, like out of the house. And she <laughs> locked the door and it's like she was done, right, for the day. Yeah. So we were out playing, whatever. And and I sit on, I'm sitting on the porch, like on the – it was a little duplex that we were renting and I'm sitting on the, the front steps and I'm crying and she comes out and she's, she sits next to me and my mom's this incredibly empathetic, creative um, artist. I think that's part of why we grew up in Carmel is a little art colony back in the seventies. Nice. Yeah. And so, um, and so she sits down next to me and she's like, Oh, you know, what's wrong? Like it's summer. This is go play. Yeah. And I was like, mom, I don't want to go play. I want to do something that's going to change the world. (laughs) (laughs) And she just kind of puts her arm around me and she's just like, oh, honey, that's nice. You will. But today (laughs) you need to just go play. Yeah. That's (laughs) amazing. And so that was kind of the entrepreneurial side, right? Where it's just like, I just want to freaking do something that's going to change people's lives, change the world. That's, that's, that's Um, amazing. That early on, just so, having that presence of mind is 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 awesome. Did you yeah, find? Yeah, it's not like it was something I was even thinking about, right? It was just like that's just what I wanted to do today. Yeah, that's awesome. Did you find as you got older that you were starting to live in that world a little bit, like as a kid entrepreneur? Like, were there things that you did, um, like having your own business or that kind of thing. Like I remember us doing lemonade oh, yeah. stands and that kind of stuff. Like, are there, are there a couple of things that you could share about yeah, that? For sure. For sure. Yeah. So I was a chubby kid, um, growing up until I was probably about 15 or so. <laughs> and, um, and you know, you can always rely on the chubby kid for good candy. And so <laughs> I would sell there candy go. at school. I would ride my bike over to Safeway and buy a bunch of stuff. Booyah. And then I would sell it at school. Um, so I think that's where it kind of started and it was amazing what kids would pay for, for a candy bar. Well, what I was your trouble. go-to? I was, I was the candy man in seventh grade as well. So what were your, uh, yeah. what were your go-to treats, dude? Mine, blow pops oh, oh were, were popular, blow uh, <laughs> in my yeah. day. No, for sure. <laughs> Charge a kid 50 cents for, for a blow sure. pop and just sling them out of your backpack, <laughs> you know? I did a, I did yeah, a, can- no, sure. <clears throat> I did a candy stand in like fourth grade. And I, my whole, I had like flyers and I, on the flyers, it said, why wait till Halloween? (laughs) That was my like pitch. Like, why wait till Halloween? You can come buy a candy right now. Dude, that's, I love it. That's legit. (laughs) I love it. That's That's amazing. Like, that's like the adult or the kid version of it's five o'clock somewhere. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. For day drinking. No doubt. That's so true. (laughs) Who came up with it? Did you come up with that? Who came up with it's five o'clock somewhere? That's some beer company, I'm sure. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then the creative side, was that something that you you said your mom was an artist? Is that something that was just innate in you or, or did it take time to develop? It definitely took time to develop, but it was always in me for sure. Um, my grandpa, I uh, taught industrial design in LA um, right. in college uh, for like 30 years. And so when I was little, I spent a lot of time staying with my grandparents. We had we have some pretty significant health uh, challenges in our family. Uh, mm. Three out of the four of us boys are hemophiliacs. Mm. And so it means that 
we, our blood doesn't clot. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and we were super active. Like my parents were very smart oh, in taking the approach of like, you're not going to be home playing Nintendo wearing helmets and knee pads all the time. Like, <laughs> yeah. go play. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just spend time in the hospital. <laughs> and that's what we did. We spent a lot of time in the hospital. Wow. Uh, but we were also super strong and healthy because of it. And, yeah. and so, um, my older brother, Ben, uh, so I'm the second one. So he's about a year and a half older. He was the first kid to ever be treated for AIDS um, at Stanford Hospital. And this is like circa 84, oh. 85. Wow. And so um, we lived up in Palo Alto for about a year and a half while this was all going on. And then when things would get really serious, we'd get into LA. And so my grandparents uh, pretty often. And so they were just super good to us. And so my grandpa would take me to work. And he had this little uh, 1966 Porsche 914. It was amazing. It's like oh, that little man. boxy one, you know, yeah, with the target yeah. top. You know it. And so uh, we would go to his studio at, at the school, and I would just work with the students and, and make stuff. Wow, and he would just cool. ask me every day, he's like, what do you want to make today? And I'd be like, I want to make this. And he's like, okay, let's do it. And so we would just make stuff. Dude. And that was very pivotal for me to like – for him to incept the idea that if I had an idea and if I had the right tools and know how, how to make it, I could actually make something tangible. hundred percent. That's such a great question. Like what would you like to make today? Getting your brain yeah. to, to really think about, Oh, what, what can I create? I have these tools. I have these yeah. resources. I have the studio, like such a rad playground. Uh, yeah. Isn't that cool? <clears throat> That's incredible. I think that's so important too, like having the tools and the space available to do things. Yeah. That's, that's huge because yeah. if those things are there and ready and available, it's like, it just allows for so much potential for creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. That's one of the things that we've done and enlisted since day one was we very much want like, you know, all of our employees, you know, we're not a big agency. We're about 55 people right now. And, and, you know, everybody gives their best to enlisted, you know, works overtime, like, you know, their focus, their priority is enlisted. And because of that, we have this trust here where I actually want them to do side projects and side hustles, mm. as long as it's not competitive to yeah. enlisted into our clients. Mm. And so after hours, I just say the studio is yours the 3d printers, the laser cutters, the CAD, the software, the, whatever we have, the CNC, like whatever we have, it's your playground. Give, That's give amazing. me your awesome. best in first. Yeah. Yeah. And then totally. whatever you want to do at night, the studio is yours. Do your thing. Do you think that is, uh, is a tribute to your, to your grandpa? For sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> That's amazing. In fact, um, down in the basement in Salt Lake, when we opened this studio, it was my, my parents were moving <clears throat> out of the country and my dad had inherited my grandpa's entire shop. So when he retired, the school gave him uh, his shop that like all the cabinets and, and everything that he built out and then whatever tools he wanted. And so my dad oh, inherited wow. that when, uh, wow. when he passed away and he needed a place to store it. And so we built out the Salt Lake studio in the basement, a full woodworking shop. Oh, um, wow. And, uh, and we've got a picture of my grandpa um, back. That's in his, incredible. Like, design days yeah it's pretty rad dude i oh uh, having a wood chop and just being able to like make things with my hands would it's just yeah it, it is a, i think a dream of any creator just to you get so yeah. caught up in, in the For digital sure. side like being For able sure. to like go in and 
and play around and, and build stuff is yeah. uh, is a lot of fun. Let's 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 dive deeper into enlisted. Like I, I'd love to really break that down because I think you know your journey and 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 where you have gotten to is has mm-hmm. played into so much of what you've been able to build and draw on and this even this example mm-hmm. with your your grandpa and, and, and incorporating that. Um, how do you feel like you've brought all that together and enlisted? Like, what are the things that through your experience, you know, um, starting out, uh, from, from what we gathered, starting out at a big company like William Sonoma, uh, then various other projects to where you are today. What do you feel like are key moments that have, contributed to the success you're having at enlisted and and the culture that you're creating yeah so in april we turned 15 um enlisted turns 15 years old and so it's been a bit right we started in 2008 um potentially the worst time to possibly start a business (laughs) yeah (laughs) worst downturn Uh, I think it was it was the worst time, but it turned out to be the best time. Mm-hmm. What was happening is all of these larger agencies in San Francisco um, were their clients were cutting back, and so what was previously a five million dollar budget turned into a million dollar budget. A million dollar mm-hmm. budget turned into a two hundred thousand dollar budget, and the bigger agencies weren't nimble enough to be able to um, to pivot <clears throat> and do that kind mm-hmm. of work, right? To do more for less. And so it turned out to be a great time for us to start, and we had a really incredible first two years, uh, two year run. And so we grew the studio, we hired a few employees, um, myself and my co-founder um, were both industrial designers. And so we had that covered. So we hired brand, we hired visual design, packaging design, and really began to create this suite of like, not industrial designers trying to do graphic design or branding, right? Mm. Or brand designers trying to figure totally. out like whatever this form factor should be. Yeah. And so we just hired you know the, the best we could find in their different um, expertise and started building this team out. And, um, and then there was a, a down for us, there was a big slow, t- slow down in, t- in 2010 mm. where work essentially paused, um, for about six months and we had some savings and we decided to use the savings to keep the studio and employees afloat. And we, um, in, in that time we started a brand called Urbio, which was essentially our take on like, okay, cool. This is, you know, we built brands for all these other companies. At what point are we going to do it ourselves? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's what we focused on. We launched it. It was year one on Kickstarter. Kickstarter did a big thing where it was like, you know, if you're going to do a Kickstarter, do it like this. And they basically broke down the Urbio nice. campaign. Oh, and then oh, wow. we were invited, we launched Urbio, um, which was great. Right before we launched, we were invited to go on Shark Tank. And so we wow. pitched on Shark Tank, uh, which was a really cool experience. And then we launched Urbio. Uh, we went in the container store. And then after, and which is still there today, um, we've had a wow. dedicated end cap in the container store for eight years now, which wow. I think it's the longest running brand, Dang. the container store on, on end cap. Yeah. Um, and, and then we grew it, we went to target office, max office, depot, staples, you know, all the retail that it made sense. And, um, and then we sold it to a big housewares company out of Chicago. Um, and there was a lot of learning there. What I learned yeah. from the Urbio experience, which was a number of years, right? It's yeah. not like this just happened. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in the meantime that Urbio was growing and listed was, was growing as well after that wow. six month, yeah. like client hiatus. And so I was CEO of both Urbio and, um, 
and enlisted. And what I learned when we sold Erbio, I kind of took some time and for an entrepreneur, that means about five hours to like yeah. sit down and think through like, <laughs> well, what did I learn here? And what I learned was I'm really good at um, creating brands that consumers love and lust after and want and crave. Mm-hmm. And I'm crap at running the logistics and the marketing and <laughs> the, you know, 3PL stuff and totally. all of that, all of the stuff, like yes. running the business. I feel you. And so after <laughs> that, I, I focused on Enlisted and like, okay, how do we run Enlisted with the business principles that I've now learned from Erbio, yeah. um, which is kind of like my makeshift MBA, my street MBA. Um, but how can we do it? you know, with design at the forefront. Totally. You, you said, uh, a word that, that I noticed is, is big and bold on your website, uh, crave or craveable, uh, Mm -hmm. as it is on your Mm -hmm. website. How do you feel like you make a brand craveable? Mm. Yes. I love that. So there's this thing um, there's this emotional connection that consumers have with their products, mm, right? And, totally. and the products, like I, I'll show you my, my phone, right? Yep. So this is my iPhone. And it's like, there is absolutely no reason that I should have any emotional connection whatsoever to this inanimate object. It's glass, yep. it's plastic, it's metal, and it's a bunch of chips inside. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and true. yet, I paid, I don't remember how much. Twelve hundred dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, yeah, whatever. Know. Like, why did, did I choose this? You didn't even think that—that's the reality. You just like, I don't know. I got it. Yeah. Next phone. Yeah. Order. My thought was making sure that my alarm was set for five oh one. Yeah. So that I could make sure that I got my order in first. <laughs> and you know, so they are a good, they are a good example. But I think yeah. there's other examples that are that are just as compelling, where they begin to create this thing of like, you know. Like sometimes I'm walking down the store aisle, you know, Target, mm. Whole Foods, Costco, wherever, and I'm like, what's that? Like, I don't mm. even know what it is, but I want it. Totally. Yeah. And that's that like intangible mm. capability. And then when I walk up, I see it or maybe I've been, you know, a targeted ad or whatever. And it's like, wow, that really speaks to me. And then from the first image to the photography, to the product, to the website, to the narrative copy content, mm-hmm. like all of those things begin to come in to create this cohesive brand experience. Yeah. And if it's done in such a way that it really speaks to me, then it begins to build that credibility because it's connecting, you know, the emotion to the inanimate object. And I would say that the credibility is kind of the sinew between those two things. Oh, School. Yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm looking at your Erbio. I'd I'd never heard of it, Sean. You, I think you'd really get a kick out. Of that. I mean, talk about craveability. The design of this is unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty clean. I'll show you here in the studio. We've got a little Erbio installation. Oh, um, in both studios, but I'll show you <laughs> the one here in uh, Salt Lake. Let's see if I can position the camera. There you go. Oh, dang. Right, so we've got it for yeah. plants here, but you know, you go to like Facebook or Square, you know, corporate campuses, and yeah, they've yeah. got them in the bathrooms for toiletries, or they've got them at you know at their off, but they're on, totally. behind their desks for office supplies or or whatever. We need so, we need that. It's a right. Pretty cool. Product. We need it. Yeah, right it's here, like, like I'm looking at these. We got too. a perfect. We got a perfect got spot. Like little, that we need a. I'm looking at these blank oh, spaces yeah, on so, our walls. It's like man, yeah, we, we need, need some some, uh, some plant action. 
that stuff. You need some Erbio for sure. Yeah, we do. So yeah. is it magnetic? Yeah. Pretty fun. Yeah, it's magnetic. There's just little little magnets inside the pots. Um, you can see so, there's some magnets behind this little piece of rubber. Yeah. And then that will stick on to any ferrous <laughs> metal. Um, <laughs> but we created these modular wall plates so that uh, we could kind of guide and help kinda people like curate. So each one has like four dimples. So that oh, it wasn't cool. just kind of like a shit show all over the yeah. metal. It was yeah. like helping them kind of like square it out so that it's it's nice and clean. Yeah, that's amazing. So kind of fun. And this is our trophy wall here. I'll give you a quick quick. Oh name. yeah, I love so it. Yeah. We like to highlight some of our our clients. Um, Which on the on is the an impressive wall. list, no yeah. doubt. It's fun. Yeah, we get to work with a lot yeah. of cool clients. You know, All the Birds is really fun. Um, Mr. Beast and the whole Feastables, mm-hmm. Mr. Beast Burger is really fun. We're launching our own brand, so Pupford, um, Pet, we've got Oreo, which is a health and beauty device. We've got Parker, one of our amazing designers. What up, dude? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really a mix of like brands you've heard of, brands you love, right? But also brands that you haven't heard of, but yeah. in five years from now, are going to be the brands that you love. 100%. Walk me through how do you balance um, this is super interesting. How do you balance because cause I know going back to your example of walking through the store, you, you see something, you see a product, you see it online, and it just like mm-hmm. it resonates with you in a way, whether it's the aesthetic, it's the copy, all the <laughs> things that you described. How do when you're when you're crafting that? Because mm-hmm. obviously there's a lot of data, a lot of process. Um, that goes into that. How do you balance the consumer insights, the data, the all the research that you have to do to yeah. get to that stage to get something in a store or on a shelf or launched? You know, mm-hmm. even you know, especially at the scale of the brands that you're working with, mm-hmm. but then still add that craveable flair, that brand, mm-hmm. you know, design that may push back against some of the data that may be counter to what the founders or the creative directors or or the client is saying no it should be going this way and it's like look this is the way that it should happen yeah how do you feel like you think about the balance of the data and the creative coming together to really create that special moment for a consumer Mm-hmm. on a shelf online or, or, or wherever they may discover it. Yeah. Yeah. So the data piece is really important. So that that's one of the reasons that I joined Pattern. So I sold and listed the Pattern, uh, Pattern.com about mm. two years, two and a half years ago and joined them. And we have access to all of their data. And wow. what that means is, so Pattern as a whole is the second largest Amazon reseller in the world. Mm. Um, Amazon's number one. Wow. And so Pattern's in a very good position um, and has incredible data on what consumers want. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, wanting and craving are two different things. And so Pattern, we're able to harness their data and bring it into our our strategy phase of a program to understand what consumers are searching for and what they're commenting and aggregate and humanize the data so that we can – understand it. And, hmm. um, we're, we're very much like data doesn't dictate, um, data informs. Got and it. so what happens is, is we're collecting data, both from the pattern data, from quantum qual, uh, research from, um, you know, market insights from consumer insight reports from other projects that we're working on, uh, obviously not sharing proprietary data. Yeah. Um, and then we aggregate that. 
right? And we synthesize that data, the strategy. We have three full-time strategists at Enlisted, and the strategy team synthesizes, synthesizes that in a way that's very unique because our strategists are or were designers before dedicating mm. themselves fully to strategy. And yeah. so they understand how do we bridge from strategy and insights into creative? How do we build something that isn't dictated by the, the data but informed by the data? And then that's where the exploration comes in. Once you understand the market, you understand the consumer, then we explore the concepts that are going to begin to speak to that consumer in a, you know, in a spectrum of yeah. mild to wild. Nice. And that's not done in a vacuum. Mm. Um, that's done generally with, with focus our groups partners, and with our clients and things like that. Yeah. Well, with the consumer first and then, um, and then with our clients. And I mean, that's literally why we're named enlisted is because we enlist our clients into our creative oh, team and yeah, they like enlist us into their business team. I love that. And while it's a huge investment to hire enlisted, you know, we generally see a 10 to 20 X return in revenue totally. once our designs are launched um, yeah. of whatever that initial investment was. So if a company invests a million dollars into a project, the growth, you know, if it's of that size, like the growth they're seeing 10, 20, 30 million in increased, totally. you know, incremental revenue. That's such wow. a, an interesting, um, I'm going through a, a similar process actually with Keep Nature Wild, uh, a, a company that I built and sold two years ago and we're now, um, uh, partnering again and, and building out uh, really trying to lead the brand and community side and, and a piece that I think is a big challenge is the real and like created walls that exist between departments that, that mm -hmm. don't necessarily like some departments need it but for the most part it's a very small brand as far as team goes and, yeah. and what we're trying to accomplish to where literally over the next 30 days, I'm turning product marketing, uh, content and impact into one core brand team <laughs> because yeah, that, good. that, that cohesion of it's all the same connection to the consumer. It's all, mm -hmm whether we're picking up trash as part of the mission or, or selling product or marketing yeah. the product, it's, um, it's connecting to the consumer. And, and yes. so that's a really interesting way of approaching as an agency of getting on that team. Because then, then like, even in our small team, a handoff can change. Mm -hmm. It's like telephone, you know, that handoff oh, yeah. can, oh, can yeah. completely For change sure. the, outcome or, or yeah. the intended outcome of something. So how do you, cause I'd imagine it's a, it's a process to get integrated mm -hmm. as very much so a team yeah. member, basically or a partner, um, where you're creating yeah. this within and, and without, which I I'd imagine also mm -hmm. gives you, cause I have this very unique, like inside knowledge and external I've been out of the business for two years. So I have this like, very interesting dynamic of like, I don't know the business, but I know the business so well. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. And now you're jumping back in, yeah. right, which a lot's changed over, over two years. Exactly. And sometimes you need somebody to come in with fresh eyes and a fresh perspective, totally. but with enough context, right. That you can come yeah. in and say, okay, 
that's great that you did it this way. Like, here's where we're seeing the brand fragmented, right? If we can totally. bring these parties together, these groups together to collaborate, we're going to bring greater cohesion. Here's what that looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, I mean, break down for me if you can, how could a small brand do both the data and in, intuition and creative piece, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, in a... yeah in a simpler way, you know, is there a way that, um, you know, some of our listeners, some that are building a small business or a startup, like can apply that same thing at a smaller scale. And then also potentially for other agencies or, or smaller of, of, or even teams, like it applies to Mm -hmm. this team at Keep Nature Wild of, of really Mm -hmm. integrating, you know, across teams to create the best outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things, um, no ego. Mm. So anybody that you meet at Enlisted is going to be very confident. Yeah. Like very confident in what they do. <laughs> Love it. But there's a huge difference between confidence and ego. So mm. simultaneously that person, that designer, that PM, that strategist, whoever it is, will also have no ego. And the question becomes rather than it building the enlisted portfolio or their personal portfolio, what does this consumer crave? Mm. What does this consumer want? What does this consumer need? So it's always back to the consumer. And we remind our clients that as well, right? Because oftentimes, you know, especially in a large organization, we're working with a brand manager or even an ABM who is looking to make a move, looking to do something that, you know, is going to put them in in a good light. Yep. And we want them to be successful, totally. right? Yeah. Because then they're loyal to us, <laughs> yeah. and and they they are. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes we we get to remind them that um, we're working for the consumer. Yeah. At the end of the day, we work for the consumer. And so, what does she want? What does she need? Mm. What is she going to crave? And then we make decisions based on that versus what they want or what we want. And it's interesting. I remember one time we had a really big tech company out of the Bay Area. Um, I, I won't say their name. Everybody yep. knows them. Everybody has it in their, in their, <laughs> you know, <laughs> in their house. Yeah. And, um, and, and their design team came in because they were interested in working with us. And so, you know, brought them into the studio and did the whole, the whole pitch and everything. And, um, and they didn't hire us. And so as we were following up, um, we, you know, we just asked them, Hey, any, any insights? And, um, and they just said, yeah, you know, the only insight is that you guys seemed like you were kind of all over the map. Like when we look at your portfolio, you're totally. in a lot of different categories. You're doing a lot of different things mm. between industrial design, packaging, branding, digital, you know, even some yeah. of this like 3D stuff. Um, but like, I don't, we don't really understand how. We don't, we like, can't put you into a box. Who's doing, yeah, like they're like, how, how is an agency doing footwear going to do our products mm. also? Yeah. And it's like. We've, we've experienced that for sure. Have you experienced that? Yeah. And so, and then, and likewise, we've had clients who don't because they don't hire us because they're looking for a very specific style. Mm. And so I think, and we're just really confident in that we are not, um, of course we have like, you know, design ethos within it, but our ethos don't lead to a specific design style. Yeah. Like lots of our competitors do. Totally. yeah, the goal is always to create the right brand for the right person at the right time. 100%. And if we're doing that, then it's going to be successful as a business and as a brand versus just successful on our portfolio. Yeah, I love that. 
I'm curious to know, <clears throat> just, and I, I, you know, we want to hear about working with uh, uh, Mr. Beast and what that process has been, um, because who who doesn't love Mr. Beast, right? <laughs> no, no. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm just yeah. curious to know what, what have been some of your favorite projects to work on, or <clears throat> some of the hardest projects to work on too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So oftentimes I'm asked, you know, what's a brand that you would want to work with or, um, you know, or what are your favorite brands for me? Some of my favorite projects are brands that you may not even be aware of. Um, or, or you may, yeah. um, I'll give, I'll give you one example. So what I love rather than targeting certain brands, I love targeting categories. So I love the idea of shopping, walking down the aisle and, um, like I have a friend named mm. Simon who started a company called Quip, like Quip toothbrushes. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And if you don't know Quip, you should definitely check Quip out. Mm. So I've heard of Quip. Yeah. Um, he's a really cool industrial designer. He's walking down the aisle and he's like, "How is it that nobody's designed a toothbrush since like IDEO did their like swirly, you know, totally whatever toothbrush in nineteen like ninety three? <laughs> like, how come nobody's loved this category?" And so he designed the Quip toothbrush, right? And from that, he, he essentially you know, launched the Quip brand and they've grown tremendously yeah. and, and they're doing you know, wildly successful uh, business, which is great. And so I like to, I, that, that's where I really find energy is categories that haven't been loved and then mm, going into mm. that category and being the first to love that category. Um, totally. Pet food is a category like that. The first yeah. time that a, a, somebody reached out with a pet food brand, it was like 2011. And we're like, pet food, huh? <laughs> and I go to Petco or PetSmart or whatever, and I'm walking around and I'm like, holy crap! Like, am I? I'm, I'm like at a farm and feed store. Like, nobody totally. has even considered these brands. Uh, yeah. And so we rebranded this company called Merrick. They went from four feet of shelf space to 180 feet of shelf space within wow. four years of wow. post redesign, and grew it from you know roughly a. $50 million business to a $600 million business within insane. those four years. So I'm curious. So insane, with, right? Yeah. Like with that, what, what were the things that, that you changed or that you did differently with them that allowed them to yeah. grow in that way? Hmm. So, okay. So it was 2011. Um, there's this dude named Jamie Oliver who's having, doing this like food revolution. You know, we're in Oakland right next to Berkeley. Alice Waters, you know, restaurant is Chez Panisse is right there. Like there's this food movement happening, mm-hmm. right? Like Alice got invited by Michelle Obama to come to the, you know, to plant the garden at the White House. And like oh, there's wow. all this kind so. of thing happening in the, in the Bay Area around food. And so the key assumption was can we bring food trends into pet, which had never been done mm. before. And so we created this concept. It was a pitch between different agencies. We created this concept where, um, a paid pitch, I will add, we do not do free pitches ever. Oh, nice. Um, Interesting. And, and so it was, it was this pitch and we're going up against like Kit Heinrichs of Pentagram, like big agencies, right? Oh. We're just like this little, you know, five, <laughs> 10 person team in Oakland. And we had this idea of like, okay, wait a second. What if, what if we took the food from the sources that the Merrick family is sourcing from today, you know, the farmers in Texas, the apples in Washington, the whatever. And like we prepared the meat and the, the potatoes and the peas and whatever those ingredients are like as if it was human food on a butcher block and it was about to be, you know, plated, but it was pre-plating. Like it was just yeah, the yeah. ingredients on a butcher block, mm. like human food. And we put that on a bag and we're like, Merrick, real food, 
here's the five, top five ingredients. Right. Wow. And this was total collaboration totally. with the marketer as well. Like, what yeah. could we say? Like the head of marketing yeah. in America, what could we say and how could we say it? Because we didn't know the pet category at all. And so we took it to test. They took it to test um, with qualitative consumers. It was like 2011. And, um, and they created a mock shelf set. And they put up all of the competitive set of other pet, the top pet food brands yeah. and then had full-scale real mock-ups of, of our concepts. Yeah. And and so we're sitting behind the glass and the consumers are like shopping for their pet food, right? This is and, so fascinating to and, me. This is so fascinating. Yeah. And so we're watching them and it's like this tense moment, right? Where it's like, oh my gosh, are they going to pick our, our pet food? And totally. not one of the consumers picked up our bag. Not one. Whoa. Wow. And, and we're like, okay. Um, <laughs> wow. Interesting. So the moderator wow. comes back and she's like, what do you want me to do? And the marketer, you know, she's brilliant. And he goes, go ahead, be transparent. Let them know that we're from this company and ask them why they didn't pick our bag. Mm. And so she goes back in, she says, okay, great. So you all picked this and this and this, instead of asking why you picked those, we actually want to flip it. Um, the Merrick marketing team is behind that glass as is the design team. Why didn't you pick these bags? And they looked up and they said, well, because it's not pet food. It's human food. Oh, and we're my just gosh. Like, wow. Done. Like, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's huge. That's, that's yeah. it. Yep. Huge. And so, like, the changes that we made from that wow. concept to what went on shelf yeah, yeah. and actually is still on shelf today with some of the SKUs was we put an illustration of a dog on the front cover. And that was <laughs> Totally. <it>. Yep. <laughs> wow. And so it was dog food all of a sudden. And that's how they went from, they just exploded, right? Because the insight was humans want food that looks good yeah. enough that they could eat, that they would actually feed to their pet. Totally. Yeah. So one example of many. Yeah. So interesting. That's incredible. That makes me think about just, just that process of going through, like, where do you feel like you draw on for those insights like mm -hmm. what i'm getting at is like i feel like i i very much understand how your brain and, and what you're describing works because i feel very similar in the connections that you draw from design and marketing and brand and and the this like food movement that was happening at the time mm -hmm. just like, which I, I'd imagine also plays into why you guys work with a shoe brand and a dog, pet food brand and a toothbrush brand, because, sure. because you are, it feels like very much intuitive with mm -hmm. how these things come together with how, mm -hmm. uh, the consumer thinks, is there a process to that that you have for really getting into the mind of the consumer. We've got data, we've got, you know, mm -hmm. you can make mood boards, you can make all this, you know, but is there something that's maybe unique to enlisted or, or is there a process around it even of really connecting to what that end consumer would deem mm -hmm craveable would deem you know something yeah. that is gonna gonna make them connect to mm -hmm. this product 
Yeah, for sure. So like input we talked about earlier, right, which is data, it's market insights, it's consumer insights, like understanding mm -hmm. the full landscape is very important. <clears throat> That's a, a really important input, right, yeah. is, is that that data. And then there's the intuition side. And, you know, intuition is one way to put it. I would say experience is another yeah. way to put it. And so historically agencies, you hire an agency and there's some like big ego at the top and they're like, I know how to do this. Shut up. You go market. I will mm. bestow this thing upon you. Yeah. And I just got sick of working in that way in San Francisco. And ultimately that's, you know, that frustration or that idea is what led to enlisting our clients in. And I think the, the, the magic for us, like the, how we do it is understanding consumer psychology and you know, how a specific consumer or consumer subset is um, thinking about brands, thinking about products, um, a lot of listening, a lot of talking with people, like actual humans. Yeah. Um, but then also just a lot of visual listening, right? Mm. Watching what's happening on yeah. social, watching what's happening in other categories. And then, of course, mood boards are super important. We do yeah. those also. But we have a next step um, that's a pivotal part of our creative process that we just can't skip. And it's called a vision board or mm. creating a vision. And, you know, generally like agencies or designers will do a mood board or like a key visual. And ours is um, both and neither of those mm. where a vision is a collection of images. It could be eight images. It could be 25 images, but it goes beyond what our specific role for this mm. thing is. So let's yeah. use the Allbirds packaging, for example. When we're creating the vision board for um, for Allbirds uh, shoe packaging, we are far more concerned <clears throat> with what other brands and products that consumer has in their life than we are for like what's happening in the shoe box world or the shoe totally. apparel or the sneaker world. So of mm. course we know what's happening in the sneaker world. Yeah. But then it's like, I want to know what they're wearing. I want to know what car they're driving. I want to know what their house is like. What does their house look like? Like this mm. product, or, or maybe it's Albert's, maybe it's yeah. the work that we're doing with Blendtec right now and totally. rebranding and redesigning everything there. Where it's like, how do we, like, what other products are they craving? And once we can mm. understand that, right, then we can understand how this new design is going to not only fit in their world, but actually be aspirational to their world. Yeah. And so we create these visions um, and we'll create multiple, you know, three, four, five of these to say, okay, like we can go here or we can go here or we can go here. And here's the insights tied to these visions that's going to help us go in the right direction. And that all happens before pen is ever put to paper. Yeah, that's amazing. Just gaining that insight of like, where, like how the product is going to exist beyond it selling is such a... Mm -hmm. I think yeah. a different spin on like, you know, you got to get it to a certain point where they're going to buy, but mm -hmm. elevating it even further of where is it going to show up in their home and how and, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, yeah. I'm looking at your, your site here as we're talking in uh, the all I'm seeing here, all these sketches that you have for the all birds shoe packaging. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I love that you guys showcase that on your site. Yeah. Because yeah, cool now what you were talking about, it's like I'm literally looking at what you were just explaining, <laughs> and that's so interesting yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah, that process. It's, that's a, that's yeah. a highly curated board of <laughs> for, for all birds. I can imagine. Uh, uh, that's amazing. If you want to see another one, scroll down to one we just posted last week called Sunday. 
And it's a new car wash um, from the same founders as like Whistle and Modern Animal. They're now taking on the car wash category. So once again, mm. a category that hasn't been loved. Yeah. And so we're we're going into the car wash category. And our first launch is Sunday. It's, it's a California base. Um, but if you scroll down to the bottom, you can kind of see like a little time lapse of some sketches there as well. Oh, yeah. That's pretty, pretty fun. So, oh, this yeah. is awesome. This looks like a like a... 50s drive-through vibe. I'm kind of getting like this looks fun. <laughs> That's sick. My kids would get a kid, yeah. have an absolute blast going here. <laughs> oh, this yeah, is really that, cool. That's the point. That's and sick. the vision boards for Sunday too are fantastic. Like those were we had three vision boards and each of them felt unique, but each of them had such a good vibe. And it was just like you kind of get to this point where by the time we curated the vision boards, it's like there's kind of no wrong answer. Right. Yeah, so totally. then it becomes like, what's what's just the right answer for the consumer? Yeah, yeah I'm looking at what's that song at the car wash like that. <laughs> that's what I'm hearing as I'm looking at these images. This is fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, Sunday's uh, really fun. Really, really fun. Very cool. Um, what do you feel like are uh, some key like applications of that process for a small brand, a small business to mm -hmm. take the data they're receiving, listen to their customers, like really, you know, try to absorb and then making that decision of, of mm -hmm. that product or that marketing campaign or, or that brand strategy that they can help them maybe make those decisions. Cause I think a lot of people often get stuck in hearing the amazing process you just described and saying, I have zero process. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I don't even know how to get from, from a to B, let alone a to Z yeah. of yeah. trusting themselves. And, you know, you started out as a, a small agency. You've been doing this for 15 years. That's why you're, you know, you've been grinding, putting in that time to get to where you are to work mm -hmm. with all birds and blend tech and, and these amazing mm -hmm. Mr. Beast. Um, mm -hmm what are those ways that people can can maybe leverage their intuition or, or experience their creativity to make those decisions of this is what that consumer wants like this is i hear yeah. what they're saying i i know how they're living like this is the product or this is the strategy that we're gonna we're mm -hmm. gonna take on yeah yeah so it, it's challenging right because especially when you're a startup so um, we have a phrase and enlisted zero to hero, and that's for startups mm. that are between zero to 10 million in revenue, right? Yeah. Zero to hero. And, you know, the team from zero to 10 is going to be one team, 10 to 50 is another team, 50 to 500 is another totally. team, 500 to a billion is another team. And so the entrepreneur at, you know, at zero really has to be able to kind of like lift everything themselves mm. um, until they have funding. And once they have funding, if they can cast the, cast the vision and, and receive funding, then they can start to bring in the right people who know how to do that. And the yeah. challenge that I face with entrepreneurs quite often is they're like, oh, well, I'll just do all of this. Yeah. And it's like, you know, the, a good parallel could be like, <laughs> yeah, cause sometimes you do want to come in with a fresh perspective, right? Yeah. It's like SpaceX comes in to like revolutionize space travel. Right. And, and I'm glad that they are, I'm glad that yeah. they did. But it's not Elon who is doing this. Oh, totally. He pulled the best, best NASA of the best. engineers, yeah. right? The best Tesla engineers, the best 
you know, aviation engineers to mm. come in and rethink how to do things because as we're all in our jobs, we're always thinking like, gosh, if this was mine, I would do it this way. Or yeah. I think there's a better way here because I learned that with that, like bringing that collective knowledge together is really important to be able to do it right. And that's totally. the challenge that zero to hero entrepreneurs have, where there's like, either I don't have funding and I don't know how to do it myself, <laughs> or yeah. I don't have funding and I know how to do it myself. And that's why a lot of, yeah. of startups, interestingly, um, come from entrepreneurs or designers or engineers who know how to do the thing because they can do it themselves. Yeah. Mm. And if you can't, then you do have to enlist the right people, the right strategists, the right visual brand designers, the right industrial totally. designers, the right social social media, you know, people. And where it gets even more challenging when you're at a zero is, you know, how do you fund it and how do you be smart with your dollars while also um uh while also doing good work. Yeah. And yeah. We face that all the time. I mean, totally. there's a company that's in Utah that we courted for probably six months, met with mm. the founder and CEO multiple times. Yeah. We, um, you know, he really wanted to rebrand the entire company and redesign all of their packaging because it was yeah. all over the map. And at the end of the day, um, you know, we put a quote together, a proposal, a partnership, all of that. At the end of the day, it's like, hey, I just think that I can, I can, can you do know, it. go hire an intern for my local college and just do it myself. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and that's so okay. frustrating. No, for it's sure. So frustrating. Okay. Yeah. 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 But it's, but it's not going to create a brand that people are posting organically no. on their social. For. It'll, it's yeah. not going to create get a brand where you're just like, I got this thing. You have to see this. Yeah. hundred percent. It's, it's, it's those shortcuts. And, and sometimes it's, there's the limitations like you described of funding and, and decision-making, but it's also, I mean, that happens even on smaller scale things of just out of fear or out of, uh, hesitation or out of ego, you know, of, I know mm -hmm. best that this is what we're going to do for a sure. consumer. Um, love to touch, uh, on working with Mr. Beast and the feastable brand. Yeah. And, you know, there's yeah. viral videos all over TikTok and everywhere about him spending, you know, upwards of hundred thousand dollars on thumbnails, uh, yeah. because he knows the value of, so he's on, you know, the, the entire opposite end of the spectrum that we are describing yeah. where he really understands that the compounding effect of, and it's not even necessarily quality because the thumbnail mm -hmm. I could say is poor quality in my mm -hmm. design opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. But not in the yeah. algorithm and the engagement, uh, uh yep. sense it is high quality. Mm -hmm. Um, yes. Walk us through that process of, of his, I'm sure is very driven by similar process and, and yeah. intuition and, and things of, of how did that partnership come together? And obviously mm -hmm. Feasible is crushing, you know, uh, and growing and all the other things that Jimmy's yeah. doing and, and just incredible what his capacity to create and scale and build is, um, but what was that process like? 
So um, it's been really fun. So we've been working with uh, Night Media is the management company mm. for Jimmy Donaldson cool. for Mr. Beast. And so we've been working with Night Media and Jimmy for the last, um, yeah, two and a half years. It actually came from um, uh, a guy that was at uh, Stance and he was at Stance okay. like, since the beginning. He left Stance and went to Night and brought us with him. And nice. so, and, it, and funny enough, we had never even worked together as Stance. But when he was at night, he was like, "Okay, I'm here to launch brands with creators." Yeah. And then he calls up. Uh, I think it was, it was my cousin, who's the VP of design. He's like, <laughs> Who, "Who's that agency that you work with?" And totally. I was like, "Oh, it's enlisted." Here's here's amazing. And so Ryan uh, Ryan Quinn, super cool guy. He calls and he's just like, "Hey, here's what I'm setting out to do." You know, these creators have you know at the time I think Jimmy had like 80 million followers or 60 totally. million followers or something yeah. like that. And, and so here's what we're doing. And so I was like, okay, great. So we came in, we went through a process. Um, we did interact with Jimmy. We brought him into the process, which was really fun as well as the night crew. Mm. Um, and, and fun and funny, right? We were in one of our final concepts, uh, you know, where we really had a kind of a general feel for mm -hmm. the Feastables parent brand because they had no idea about like brand, brand architecture, yeah, yeah. hierarchy, totally. family of <laughs> brands, like to... none of that. Yeah. And so they're just like, we're just launching a chocolate bar. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, that's, that's really cool. What happens next? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what about the next SKU and the next SKU? What about collaborations? What about other products? What about totally. other creators who are going to launch CPG within this? Yeah. This? Did, did they like, come to you oh, with a name point. already or, or was that part of the process as well? Yes. So they, they came to us with the name, cool. um, with, uh, Mr. Beast bar. And then, mm. um, they came with the feastables name as well. Uh, and then we came in with, um, feast like a beast. We came in with all of the brand <laughs> positioning, you know, everything would, that would come in a brand book totally, uh, and a brand guideline and then did all the visuals for it. Um, all of the brand identity, all of the, um, language positioning, yeah. copy content, all the packaging design, master packs that all, all of that. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, do you just have you know, a, a unlimited story, supply so, of chocolate in the office or what? Yeah. You, you what? Do you have an unlimited supply of uh, chocolates uh, in the office? That's <laughs> yeah. legit. We do. And actually, okay, so this is a funny one. One of the benefits <laughs> of not just being a brand team or a packaging design team, you know, also having industrial design in-house is that we had never designed a chocolate bar before. And I don't yeah. know if you've seen the bars, mm -hmm. but yeah. part of Jimmy's thing is that he um, he shares. Like, that's all his money. That's all his wealth totally. that he's doing the videos oh, yeah. with. And so we had this concept where, I don't know if you can see it here because the bar's broken, but there's mm. all these, like, cool little waves. And at the bottom, it's I'll embossed. It, it says devour. Mm. And this bar's already broken off, but at the top, it says share. And so core oh, to kind of Jimmy's ethos is this idea so that sick. he shares everything. Like, that's what he's out to do. Share first. To share, to share as well. Yeah. And and that's so really this cool. is really cool. So this is a 3D print of the final concept oh, of the chocolate bar here. Oh, right? dang, dang, that's sick. And the devour um, on, the, on the bar. And this is just a 3D print that then yeah. uh, Jack, who is the lead ID for this project, he molded with a silicon mold here in the studio and started. we started melting chocolate and nice. pouring chocolate into the mold to see if it would work. <laughs> that's <laughs> so then, dope. And it worked. And so, you know, that was kind of some of the first stuff um, with oh, Jimmy yeah. and with Mr. Beast and Feastables. And then it was cool because we had a, a concept, you know, really close to this and then we had this uh, zoom with jimmy and he's just like guys no like what people want is they just want to see my face like if you just put my <laughs> face on this on the packaging then like they're gonna buy it i promise yeah. you yeah and i'm like jimmy they will buy it you're absolutely right like your your voice you know you as a brand like they're gonna buy your chocolate but 
when they're in retail at 7-Eleven, Walmart, whatever, you're not there. You're not there to be like, totally. this is me, like buy this, you know, this buy me as a chocolate bar. And so we need this thing called taste appeal. Mm. And that, and that's where consumers see it. And they're like, oh, that super milky Looks delicious. chocolate. Like, okay, yeah. I, w- I want that. I totally. seriously right? want one right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we got to go pick some up. Uh, I know. I need to go. But I need episode. to go find some because I, 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 I haven't tried it yet. So yeah. now it's like yeah. you talking to me about yeah. it. You have uh, definitely intrigued me. Like I am for sure gonna go out and buy some. <laughs> no doubt, Mr. Beast yeah, you bars. Gotta, you got to grab some for sure. That's amazing for sure. And, and it worked, right? So like we work with Nestle. We work with you know all of these big CPG brands. Yeah. And launching a product, launching a brand is really difficult and totally. it has to scale over time. Especially What's something cool that's going to go into 7-Eleven and online and exactly. a Walmart. Like, yeah. It's got to fit exactly. everywhere. It's got to fit. And so with, with Mr. Beast, you know, we really targeted Gen Z consumer, giving them mm-hmm. something that no other brand had targeted. And it was the same with Mr. Beast Burger, right? Like yeah. let's really focus on the right consumer here. And then, um, and what happened was they launched, Jimmy put out a video to say, hey, I'm launching this thing. This is my thing. Like, here's why it's important to me. I don't yeah. do a lot of sugar. There's only five ingredients yeah. or less, you know, there's organic so. ingredients. And so he kind of ran through why he's doing this and then just how good it tastes. And he sold 4 million bars in the first 90 days. Holy insane. smokes. Willy Wonka, man. in the first 90 so, <clears throat> Like, yeah. think about that, right? It's like, insane. Nestle can't touch that. No. Mondelez can't touch no. that. Like, that's insane. Yeah. No one's buying that and, many crunch and that, bars. And also that was without retail distribution. That totally. was just DTC That's, on this yeah. website. Oh man. The, wow. the power of attention is yeah. Uh, just it's unreal. It's like yeah. One of the things we're we're I'm really pushing at Keep Nature Wild is like to to be a brand today, a, a, a large scale successful brand like you have to be a media company. In a lot of sense, yep. like you need to be able to produce at scale, not just content to to check a box for each social media channel. And, and it's getting mm-hmm. more and more difficult to check all those boxes, but like actually tell stories that matter and, and create meaningful content for mm-hmm. the context of, of what your consumer is looking for and, and wants. And, and because if you don't, <laughs> creators will do that and then be able yeah. to launch products yeah. that are meaningful that that connect with people because that that consumption that attention that that uh appeal is just yeah it's next level yeah yeah it is next level for sure and the thing that night is doing that they're really smart about is that they have enough experience launching merch and like little little stuff or yeah. little brands that they're going through the process correctly it's scrappy don't get mm-hmm. me wrong like these are very entrepreneurial programs that we're doing together with them but you know mr beast burger mr beast bar feastables um there's uh some uh, there's a new one coming out that's uh oh i want to talk about so bad but i'm not going to <laughs> just do uh, it just, just do it bro. just drop that knowledge <laughs> amazing uh, let's just say we're taking on capri sun yeah, let's like, go. I've got up. a two-year-old and, or a three-year-old and a one-year-old, so yeah, we'll be ready at our house. Awesome. All right, stay stay tuned. Yeah, stay, yes. stay tuned. I think it's launching in April. Amazing. Um, and and so and you know and we're just doing these ventures. You yeah, know, we don't know what the number is at the end of you know Q4. We had a talk with the team and they said we want to launch about ten brands next year. Wow. 
And so we're partnering up with these, you know, to, to launch these brands and it is scrappy. It is, yeah. it is not the same budget totally. or the same process as a Nestle or a Mondelez, mm-hmm. but the outcome is even stronger. And so one of the things that we try to help these creators, cause like, um, other creators, so we love working with creators and, yeah. and, um, you know, other creators like Selena Gomez reached out to us, just cold nice. called us, uh, her team did to say, Hey, oh. Selena wants to develop, you know, a bunch of products. Yeah. And we're talking with Kevin Durant and his team, nice. and we're talking with Tom Segura and his team and just like different, Sick. different people who are creators who have a channel who, if we can position the brand mm. and the product authentically to them yeah. and you're listening to it and you're going, Oh, of course he would launch that. Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah, of course. And That's, it's like, boom. Yeah. Right. You buy, you have conversion yeah. when they launch things, they put their name on water or they, yeah, put they their just slap name it on some kind of licensing deal that doesn't make sense for them. No. Consumers people, sniff it out so they, quickly. The intent matters so much. Like people can, can feel that intent if it's to make a quick buck or to just, yes, they'll sell yes. stuff. But the, the, yeah. the, longevity of it is you know very short-lived and yeah exactly like that that was my message so i spoke at this thing called um vid summit over the summer and it's this uh it's a basically it's like for content creators like come and learn it's Mm -hmm. not like a vid con where it's like a fanboy thing Mm. and so it's jimmy's a partner in putting it on um space station is a partner in putting Mm -hmm. it on and so this vid summit thing is really cool so they asked me to speak on how to create a a lasting brand because mm, oftentimes nice. creators are just like i am the now brand. let me cash like, in as today. long as i put it on my channel it's gonna go totally yeah. and i'd say you're a big part of the brand but your brand ultimately you as a brand is going to fade ultimately totally. so how do we create something that that supersedes you or yep. lasts even longer than you 100 percent. i think that's wow. such a, a good concept because in the moment we think like uh, Gary Vee has talked about this, uh, about mm-hmm. this concept with Michael Jordan. It's like every kid mm-hmm. in his school in the nine, in the, what was it? Seventies, eighties, nineties, like or eighties and nineties, like was yeah. rocking Chicago bulls gear. But like, yeah, the, like the greatest of all time. And it's not that is, that's not still his status, but that cultural mm-hmm. influence fades. Right. Mm-hmm. But a brand yeah, has the opportunity to continue to evolve and grow and, and be culturally significant. And mm-hmm. as you were talking about creators, I, like I never really thought of it this way, but I, I'd imagine there's such cl- great clients to have because they are so in tune with the end consumer. Mm-hmm. Like oh, yeah. Yeah. to be a creator, you have to listen to the feedback loop. Like you've got to make that mm-hmm. feedback loop as tight as possible mm-hmm. and actually create content that people consume and like and share and engage yeah. with yeah and and they'll let you know very quickly if if they don't like it they don't like it you yeah. know yeah <laughs> and <For> so sure. <laughs> uh they they are but i would say sean like it, it's a interesting thing because launching a cpg brand or a tech brand or a product brand lifestyle mm-hmm. whatever they're launching is actually very different than creating True. the content for it so totally. like Jimmy is so dialed in. I mean, that dude works like 28 hours it's a insane. day yeah. and he's so dialed into what he does. Mm. Right. But then also you have to have the wisdom to be like, okay, here's some input. Here's who my consumer is. Here's how I want to come across with this, but I need do it. a partner. 
right? To totally. not just go do it, but like to do it right. And then let's touch base on what 100%. that looks like. Uh, yeah. Because he has the wisdom to say, I don't know how to do this thing. So I need yeah. the best to be able to do it. Yeah. How do you how do you find the best? You talked about people without ego. You talked about, you know, brands turning you away because they can't they can't mm-hmm. figure out what you're all about, which I I, mm-hmm. I attribute to similarly companies who hire it's like you don't fit this job you can do amazing things but you don't have this exact experience so mm-hmm. we'll go with someone who just you know can yeah check that box fit into our yeah, yeah and there's, a, there's uh, yeah. a case for that totally is, right but especially if it's a practitioner who doesn't for sure. need to think then yes. there's a great case for that mm-hmm. totally like we need you to execute on this you know thing mm-hmm. and and or doesn't do need it. to think big yes yeah but how do you curate a team that is not driven by ego that can manage, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't know, we don't need to go too much into the process of, of creating the teams for, for these different projects, but, but how do you <clears throat> recruit, acquire uh, talent that isn't driven by ego? Like what's your process for evaluating these people? Cause I imagine mm-hmm. there's no, um, lack of desire to work uh with you guys and for you guys mm-hmm. with the brands and and yeah, you know your sure. personality and and what you're creating uh, so we can skip that and more how do you then go into okay we've got these amazing talent coming to us now but how are we going to mm-hmm. sniff out the person who on paper has all the skill set and and things yeah. we're looking for but this person just vibed and maybe they don't have all this, or, or, or maybe it's different. Like how, how do you evaluate that recruitment process mm-hmm. to, and, and no recruiting is a hundred percent, uh, you know, but, but yeah, to, to yeah, really try to curate the best possible outcome when you, when you're filling roles at enlisted. Yeah. So, um, great question. I think there's a few things to, to consider as we're meeting with people. So we do quite a bit of, you know, interviews and fielding the people, especially when we're in, you know, pretty big growth phases. Mm. Um, and this is kind of two big things. One is seeing their portfolio, right? Like show me their portfolio or, or one of my design directors, yeah. cause it goes through a filter, right? Like don't yeah. meet with me For sure. uh, until the, the very end where it's like, you know, pretty much everybody has given a, a vote of confidence. Totally. And so, but for us, it's like, show us your portfolio. Within 30 seconds, we know whether or not you're going to thrive <laughs> at it based on your work. Wow. Okay. Wow. I mean, it's totally it is three seconds. Yeah. I mean, literally, like the second we yeah. see it, it's like, it, it just is a very clean filter. Mm. You may be great somewhere else, maybe in house or a different brand or different agency, or you're going to be graded and listed. And so that's the first filter from a creative yeah. standpoint. Uh, second filter is the question that we always ask ourselves is, are they enlisted? Mm. And for us, that's, that's a very proprietary thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Like it, it asks, you know, it's like, do, are they entrepreneurial? Um, are they bold? Are they hungry? Mm. Are they design blooded? Are they collaborative? Like, you know, our ethos as a company, totally. are they those things? Mm. Um, because if so, then they'll come in and we'll be able to, you know, uh, teach, train, implement. They'll be able to bring new practices with them and it's yeah. a great fit. 
Mm. If not, then no matter how talented they are, it's not going to be the right fit. Totally. It's just not right. And li- and likewise, you can yeah. have somebody who's entrepreneurial, hungry, um, you know, humble as hell, <laughs> but bold at the same time, like have all of those attributes. But if the creative isn't there, totally. then it's just not going to work. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. They and won't so be able to deliver of who we, who we bring in and who, um, thrives at, yeah. at enlisted. Yeah. Um, uh, but it, it, and then once they're in, like, it's a pretty small club. Like I said, yeah. like, we're only 55 people, I think right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we're not interested in bringing a lot of people in. We're not interested in like, you know, to me, there's, there's zero ego or th- zero pride in being like, we're a hundred people or yeah. nothing. Yeah. It's, it's really, really the right people, the mm. right projects and brands, the right clients. And so we have a filter with our clients as well. Yeah. You know, are they going to trust us? Are they going to partner with us? Are they going to respect the work that we do? Are they going to pay us? Are yeah. they, um, totally. are they looking to create next level shit mm-hmm. or are they looking to just kind of extend something or, um, you know, play it safe to get a promotion or whatever? Uh, you know, are they looking to radically change their category or create a new category altogether? Then it's interesting to yeah. us. It's almost like companies yeah. need a dating app, right? <clears throat> <laughs> to see if they're going to be compatible with, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with the brand. And, and you weed out the, <laughs> Seriously. no, we're not going to be a good fit. Like, let's not even go there, you know? Yeah. So true. That's totally. really interesting. Well, we have, um, it's 1022. Yeah. I think we were going to go till about 1030, if that's okay, Bo. Yeah, what's your... Yeah, sounds great. You got... Okay. Okay. Let me let me check really quick. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Double check. Um, I've got sure a you're... soft stop at 10.30, a hard stop at 11. Cool. Okay. okay. Great. Um, yeah, and we and if something comes up, we can... We're, we're, we're kind of... Okay. We, we'll go into a little more... I, I'm enjoying the conversation, fire. though. Same. Because I, this, love, I no. love talking about these things with people who understand <laughs> totally. who they are, right? Where yep. it's not like, I don't have to go into a lot of education. You know, <laughs> yes. It's not the podcast where like, yeah, but like, how important is brand really? Uh, yeah. Like, isn't yeah. the tech and isn't the... And it's like, okay, let's let's go back to the totally. basics here. <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things me and Sean have been talking about a little bit. You know, as we're, we're newly starting out on this thing, it's like when we're pitching to people or talking to people, it's like, we, we shouldn't have to convince you yeah. Yeah. that you need to work with us. Like that's yeah. such a, it's such a bummer thing. And so when you find someone who gets what you're doing and they're fully yeah. on board and you know, there's so a little true. bit of, you know, persuasion or selling that you have to yeah. do, but for the most part, it's like they're just ready to work and confident in what you're yeah. going to be able to do. Yeah, I, I think so. And I, and I would even say, well, for, us like it's we've learned that it's less about persuasion or um you know it's it's more just about building that trust Mm. right like if they trust you if they trust your team if they trust that um you know your portfolio then it really does come down to you know just the numbers and the timeline yeah right but building that trust it's like somebody will come to us and they're like Hey, this is what we want to do. And we have a $200,000 budget and we're like, okay, sounds exciting. You know, let's talk, let's talk about how we would do that. And I'm not even worried about the $200,000 budget at this point. Really it's about like what is needed and Mm. how can we bring material value to this process? And then we go away and we come back and we're like, okay, it's going to cost 500 K to do this. And they're like, yeah, we only have 200. And, and we're like, we totally understand that. 
And, totally. and it may not be the right time to work together, yeah. right? If we really like, you know, look at our margin, maybe we come in at 450. Yeah. But ultimately, it's going to be a whole lot more expensive for you to go and do this incorrectly and have that, you know, revenue miss opportunity than it is 100%. to invest a half a million dollars and do it right and see that revenue growth. Yeah. And I mean, if we built that trust in the right way, then it's not that much of an issue. That's, that's so, it's just so good to hear. Yeah. It's so good to like hear <laughs> a, another agency on their brand that's like thinking because I mean, I've never been in an agency or, or in the, but we, we, we get connected with brands. We see opportunities. We're just like, mm-hmm. we know. So it, this, just this conversation is like, there's so many pieces that for me, it's like checking boxes here with brands and with what we're doing. And, and it just, it, it's, yeah. it's validating to hear someone approaching things similarly or how we've been really thinking about even, even when we talk about we're, we're a flexible resource partner is like, instead of we're an agency, mm-hmm. like that mentality of we, we're, we, you need content. We don't, we don't need, we're, we've like started to redo our site as like, it's not, mm-hmm. we don't do marketing. We don't do ads. We don't do content. We like, we do consumer insight. Like we want to understand where you want to yeah. go and then let's figure out how to get you there. If it's content, if it's, yeah you know, um, it's it's just it's very like uh validating and and also just so fascinating like anyways will you had a a question i was gonna say is there when you're talking to when you're saying you know giving the example of um it's gonna cost you know 500k to to do this and is there like a how do you make that tangible or understandable to people or communicate mm-hmm. effectively that point of view? Like, is there a metaphor you use? Yeah. Is there something that you use that's like, oh, okay, I get what you're trying to tell me. Is there something that helps that click within people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dollars. Revenue growth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> track record. Um, sure. that, that usually helps. Yeah. yeah track record. Right? Yeah. So it's like once that trust is built, then I can come in and I'm always very confident, confidential with like the actual budgets of different clients. Yeah. But while I'm walking them through, I'll be like, listen, let's pull five projects that are pretty similar to the scope of what you're looking at. And I'll tell you, you know, generally speaking, what this client spent and yeah. what the return was. And mm. so the returns aren't, aren't always immediate, right? You need to see at least a, a year of of that brand yeah. being in market to see the return. But I'll walk them through. I'll say like Allbirds spent this much on this project and here's what the return was. You know, Purdue, when they rebranded, they spent this much and here's what the return was. And I don't give them exact numbers, yeah. but pretty darn close. You know, Purdue yeah. comes in and they spent, I think all in, you know, probably spent about a million dollars to rebrand, redesign the packaging. Um, but their sales went up 7% on a $3 billion business within the first year. Wow. Yeah. I'm like, which one was more expensive doing the work or Or not not. doing it? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. That something you didn't even know was just sitting there, you know, waiting for you with the right execution. Exactly. And then I also try to suss out, like there's sometimes there's managers or entrepreneurs who are, are just so like they want it so bad, but they're also so nervous because Mm. maybe they just raised 10 million, 20 million, whatever. And and they're just so nervous about that that it's yeah we don't want to be in a position where they're just like 
so scared to spend this money. Yep. They approve it. They're like, okay, let's do this. Uh, and then every everything design like review and, and on a prayer session, they're just like, oh, I don't know what yeah. to do. <laughs> and so we also kind of try to weed those mm. out as, as well. Yeah, it makes sense. Like over leveraged and, and it's like mm-hmm. similar if you give people a discount for whatever reason, all of a sudden they, it's like they rec- they want ha- twice the work for half <laughs> yeah. the price. Like, yeah, of course. Just, just Of course. And honestly, Sean, sometimes we do give a, give a uh, discount. For sure. Sometimes the client will come back in that yeah. scenario and they're like, listen, we have 400K and we generally try to run at like a 20 point margin on mm. our projects. And we're like, wow, yeah. well, there goes our margin. Um, totally. Is this something that we want to do? Is yeah. this something that we believe in? Um, you know, there's a project that we engaged in a couple of years ago that we're still working on. It's a company called Ecosafi and they're out of Nigeria. No, no, no. Sorry. That was a different one. They're out of Kenya, mm. uh, out of Nairobi. And so they have two offices, Berkeley and Nairobi. And it's essentially to solve um, this coal issue in Kenya and lots of the world wow. where 3 billion people cook on coal every day. Well, how can we get them? Excuse me. Wow. How can we get them off of coal? Cooking. Wow. Yeah. And so, you know, especially in Kenya, because by 2030, there will be zero trees left if people continue to cook this way. Zero. No trees. Wow. Because they're cutting them down, burying them in a hole, smoking them out to sell coal. Oh. And so wow. it's a huge issue. Yeah. And so we, you know, mm. partnered with them to create a brand that could create a micro um, economy within. Uh, Nairobi, where we facilitate the, the product um, and the stoves that then they take and sell within their communities, so, yeah. right? So they're benefiting from mm. it, not only getting off of coal and a better cooking source, but they're benefiting financially because now they're part of a company that is is, is selling. And it's also not then a U.S.-based company trying to come in and change yeah. culture uh, or yeah. change the way they cook. Right, it's just changing the fuel source to a sustainable fuel source. Do, do you, That's interesting. And we yeah, gave them is. a discount. Yeah, and invested. <laughs> like, we gave them a discount, and I wrote and a huge check. Gave them money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's but, cool. Uh, uh, speaking to that, like, do you? Um, and you, and you don't have to go into like details of things, but do you get creative with your like financial structure? Like, do you ever take equity or, or even a percentage of growth or a mix of various things in the right projects. All of the above. Cool. Mm. And yep. maybe that's, that's when you're saying partnership that that's, is that more what you look for in, in, Hey, we're going to, we're going to invest long-term in this. Um, I guess, is that a prerequisite or, or just something that Mm-mm. through the process, you know, with the right oper- or with the right scenario, mm-hmm. that's something you guys would yeah, do. Yeah, we probably have twenty five portfolio companies now where we hold equity and mm-hmm. in, in the company, um, and uh, those are really fun. That's great. We yeah. love being being partners, mm-hmm. um, but it's in certain. I would say we only do maybe one a year. Mm. Got it. One to two a year. So it really yeah. depends on the opportunity, on the the partnership, on the entrepreneur. And I would say also now it's less about enlisted discounting their rates and um, 
it's more about like, if it's something that I believe in, then it's mm. like, Hey, okay, I want to, my, my wife it. and I want to write yeah, a check yeah. as an LP or then as it's a partner to you. Cleaner. It's going to help offset the cost of enlisted. Yeah. 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 yeah Cause it can get that. And, and other clients too. Like, Oh, go ahead, Sean. No, I think that it just gets, it can get complicated. It was like, Oh, we're going to discount here and a percentage there when it's exactly when it can be exactly. clean. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and and enlisted's always been profitable, like from day mm. one. And I always want us to be profitable. Totally. And so you know, we we track our EBITDA. Like we have yeah. a full you know accounting for our PL. Like we've got a team who's running the business of enlisted, and it's a great totally. business. Um, and it enables the designers to truly you know create next level shit for yeah. our clients and and the brands that we with, that we work with. Yeah. Uh, but we just have to be smart about it. How do you not just launch twenty brands yourself? <laughs> like, like, how, what do you mean? like, like, and clearly that is like. How do you balance launching more internal projects, or mm. not launching yeah. more internal because you see things or you see trends or you totally. have this data, you have this into it, you know clearly. You could probably take any category, you know, mm-hmm. and, and say, yeah, you know, crush it. Uh, a t-shirt brand. We're going to yeah. do this and we're going to do it different. We're going to do it in this way. You like, have the tools. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you, how do you stay focused? How I do guess, you tame that inner beast? Yeah. To- yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's a great question. We have lots of ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we joined Pattern, part of the reason that we joined Pattern was to launch our own brands. Mm. And okay. so cool. we actually do have a mechanism for that, and it's called Village Brands. So villagebrands.com oh, nice. is the site where um, it, it's the group that we're launching. There's a group within Pattern that is essentially a mix between Enlisted and Pattern, and then a dedicated group with Village where cool. we have employees that are, you know, um, multi-channel sales, mm. uh, omni marketing, um, digital, uh, you know, experts, co-founders with us in nice. these different yeah. uh, brands that we're launching. And so we're launching our own brand. So we launched our first brand called Welcome Home, H-O-H-M, mm. welcomehome.com. And it's a home scenting uh, company. Oh, cool. And um, we just launched it in November, and then we're launching our next one called Aurea, which is a beauty device and serum company, and that launches in February. So we are, oh, we're, so you are. we're yeah. you know, positioning these so that they're not competitive nice. to our clients, but also positioning yeah. them because we see opportunities in the market where we're totally. like, hey, we could really make a material difference in this market, and then we're launching that brand ourselves. But for an agency and a creative, what you have to understand is that we sometimes assume that if we create the brand, the branding, the product, the go-to-market, like if we do all of that correctly, then consumers are just going to flock. It's true. But the yeah. truth is we have to do all of that correctly and, and there has to be a dedicated <laughs> business team to actually build a business out oh, of it. Yeah. Very and true. unless I want to step away from Enlisted <laughs> to do that second part, yep. I'm not interested in launching 20 brands. I'm interested in totally. launching one or two and doing those well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's because I have the village on the other side to support totally. the brand launch. hundred percent. That's cool. I think that's, that is a, uh, a very valuable insight because it's, you know, when you are someone who's creative, you see things, it's, it's, it's very easy to get caught up in I- ideas mm-hmm. and the value of ideas. Mm-hmm. And also 
in great strategy and yeah. I think equally to like, I think strategy is critical to especially long-term uh, growth of a company, of a brand, the things that we've talked mm -hmm. about of, of not being a flash in the pan, but being something that is gonna sustainably live on and, and be something with a legacy that can evolve over time. Mm -hmm. But without the execution, that's just a pretty document that, that sits in yeah. <laughs> Drive or Dropbox or somewhere yeah. where, you know, if it's not used as a tool, it's, mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't yeah. create the value that it could. Exactly. And so we actually do have a hopper at Enlisted where we've got ideas that we know would be successful mm. in categories that haven't been loved yet. Yeah. And, you know, Dane Tanner, my VP of industrial design, he's been enlisted for over seven years, the most talented industrial designer I've ever worked with. And he came to me probably about a year ago. And he's just like, hey, I've been watching a category. Nobody's done anything meaningful. I've got a concept. And I'm like, awesome. Pitch it to me. So he did. And then mm -hmm. we essentially put a budget against it to say, okay, you've got like 5K to, and, and obviously invested yeah. resources, right? To build this into an actual pitch, to build a business model around it, to make prototypes and, yeah. and you know, have like working prototypes for this, or, or at least looks like, you know, models and prototypes for it. And then we went and pitched it to Dave and Mel, who are the founders of Pattern. And we just said, hey, here's the category. Here's the category pot potential, wow. like the market cap. Um, here's how this category hasn't been loved yet. We have an idea in which we could come in and love this category. You know, we, yeah. we call it quipping. We could quip this category, like yeah. toothbrushes. <laughs> yeah, did. And so, and I've told Simon that he just laughed. Um, so, you know, how do we quip this category? And so now we have that brand in the hopper where when these first two are launched and, and well, then, um, you know, yeah, next so year, 2024, we could say, Hey, let's tackle that category. Let's go. Yeah. So cool. Uh, two, two thoughts came to mind. One is enlisted hiring. Cause that sounds like just an epic <laughs> place to work. Uh, um, but it's funny that you said, call it quipping. There's, I don't know how familiar you are with gas station culture or soda beverage culture, but here in Arizona, we have <laughs> QT, oh, uh, yeah. Utah, yeah, right. you got the Maverick quick trip gas station. Oh yeah. Uh, -huh. uh, but I often refer to opportunities where, so they came in and basically in the early 2000s, like made clean gas stations, basically. Like the, the simplest yeah. version is like clean. You want to go there. The customer service is great. They greet you. They pay their yeah. employees well. And like, you don't have sticky soda floors, you know, when you walk in and now they've elevated even further. There was like food and, and all these things, but it's like, what opportunities are there in, in similar overlooked categories where you could take the QT model and, and apply it and just really great service and customer mm -hmm. service. And so it's just, that's just what that's came fine, to mind man. when you were talking about that. It's like me and friends have talked like, okay, what, where, where's like a service type uh, business that, that just mm -hmm. is nasty and rough that you could apply yeah. the QT model to and just dominate. So. I, I think yeah. that's such a good process of evaluating opportunities. I think, I think it's even applicable in a, in a brand, like where are those overlooked categories? Um, you know, something we're doing at keep nature wild is actually evaluating our categories 
And what are we mm -hmm. overlooking within products that should be their own business within the business? So mm -hmm. there's so many products, t-shirts, stickers, hats, all these amazing designs, but they often get launched and then it's time to campaign for the next drop. And, and it's just this like mm -hmm. cycle of drops versus like, there's probably 25 core products or categories like fanny packs or stickers within mm -hmm. the brand that could be million dollar or multi-million dollar brands oh, yeah. or businesses, you know, business units within mm -hmm. the business. And mm -hmm. I think this process of like evaluating, like what are these overlooked yeah. categories in uh, a space or even within your own business that are overlooked that with the right design process or the right creative process, just think about it in a different way that could be that unlock, you know, similar to what yeah. Quip did of like toothbrushes, you know, I think mm -hmm. similar things can be implied in, in a small business is like, what is, what are these processes? I, I see it in, you know, the service business. Uh, uh, there's a few mm -hmm. uh, companies here in Arizona where you're competing with, you know, a yellow notepad, uh, legal pad, you know, that, that these yeah. old school business people are, are working on and, and just by dialing in, you know, the process, they're building multi-million dollar businesses because they're just streamlining the efficiency and, and making it a yeah. good consumer experience, yeah. you know? Exactly. Which is exciting. It's exciting yeah. to create. It's exciting to see. I mean, totally. I get excited about that as a consumer. Like I'm, I'm a total consumer. I get some of my best inspiration by shopping. Totally. And, and like not always even buying. Yeah. Like, you know, I, my, my mom told me when I was younger, a, a teenager, she's like, you know, Bo, you're just a too, you're, you're too materialistic. Right. These things are too important to you. And I'm That's like, funny. yeah, I am. And I think I kind of fought that for a little while uh, yeah. until I was just like, yeah, just embrace it. I am. Yeah. Love it. I yeah. like this. Yeah. <laughs> and so totally. I love shopping, you know, yeah. and, and, and she loves that about me now. And yeah, so yeah. It's like, I love shopping. I love just experiencing, seeing, you know, watching people interact, what's working, what's not working. And totally. Then, yeah. Really understanding those, those consumers and those categories of where, where to play. And I'll tell you one that we're working yeah. on now that's really exciting um, called ARC. So mm. arcvotes.com. And ARC is a couple of engineers. Now they're like 50 people plus uh, that from Tesla and mm. SpaceX and NASA and like you know, really yeah. incredible engineers. So we partnered with them to um, electrify the boat category. Oh, wow. Oh, I think I Tesla, what Tesla's done. Are you guys running ads already? Yeah, yeah. So I, I feel like I've probably seen I feel like I've seen this somewhere <laughs> in a feed. Cool, cool. That's great, and it and it's, yeah. it's still kind of stealth mode. Yeah, um, yeah. Arc One launched and sold out is a three hundred fifty thousand okay. um, dollar, essentially like what Tesla did with the Roadster. Okay, uh, that was Arc One. Yeah, and um, and that was just us saying, okay, we're here. We're figuring out the technology. Here's the boat. Let's go. Mm. They invited enlisted to come in and. Um, be the design agency uh, and then invest in it. So yeah. I was brought in uh, with um, who else is on the team? The investment team is like Serena Williams, wow. Will Smith, uh, Sean Combs. Um, I think KD's on it. Wow. Uh, one of the founders of Casper, myself. Like everybody kind of has their yeah. like strategic, 
you know, input into, yeah. into the investment team. And then Andreessen Horowitz, lower carbon capital, wow. um, Eclipse capital, you know, so good, good VCs yeah. came in and, and put some cash down for it. And that's a category that is so funny because like, how in the world are there still ski boats today? You know, high end totally. $250,000 ski boats that have yeah. freaking glitter on them. They have glitter. Yeah, like, totally. How is it <laughs> totally. that the industrial designer of these and you're just getting all, fumes you know, in your face, like doopy? <laughs> so yeah, true. like uh, it's so what? true. Like, sorry, did I miss something? And that there's some kind of a design code that was set in 1976 that like yes. anyone who breaks that will be put to death. It's like, the sailor's code, something? man. Yes, something. <laughs> so true. Something, right? Yeah, so, that's so you know, funny. Hang me now. Yeah. And I refuse to buy a boat. Like how many times, how many times have I had the conversation with my, you know, brother-in-laws are like, let's get a boat. Let's go on a boat. Let's go on a totally. boat together. And it's like, I, I can't support a category <laughs> that is doing this to human Dude, beings. You would look That's good in burgundy glitter like almost, and, yeah, you know, it's almost a come moral on. issue. That's funny. That's funny. And, so, and true. so, you know, when ARC came along, it's just like, okay, Let's yep. do this and let's do this differently. You know, let's do this for the consumer of yeah. today rather than the consumer of yesterday, yesteryear, cool. yesteryear totally. generation. Have you and heard that's of what the... we're doing? And it's been wildly successful so far. Yeah, I'm looking at it right that's now. Amazing. These are awesome. It's pretty sick, huh? Yeah. I I need to check it out because I want one. That's such yeah, a me too. like <laughs> a revolution. Because like growing up in here, I mean, boating and oh, boating going to the lake is, is, oh, yeah. is huge, yeah. but it's like Oh, Still, yeah. you have. I mean, now they have like the in inline props and and things where you're not like worried about getting chopped up. But still, the fumes and the mm-hmm. gas, like as you're climbing back into the boat, yeah. like well, fumes and yeah. gas. But think about it from a performance standpoint. Like yeah. I weigh about 200 pounds, so I'm a pretty you know I'm a yep. lead weight out there behind yep. the boat, right? True. So I here's 200 pounds. That's what 25 feet behind the boat. Yeah. I forget how Some, long it yeah. is, right? And you're like hit it. And this gas engine is supposed to totally. rev up so quick that it can pull 200 pounds that's fighting yeah. against it with, with water As, drag yeah. up onto the surface to then be able yeah. to, to wakeboard. Mm. If you've ever driven in a Tesla, especially in ludicrous oh, yeah. mode, you know what what zero or sorry, what a hundred percent torque feels like. Yeah. Totally. Now imagine a hundred percent torque pulling you out of the water. Yeah. Sounds I'm imagining it, sounds it right now. a little terrifying, but also I'm imagining it right now. I guess it would be much less like jerky of like, like oh, much once less. it builds up. Yeah. That. Yep. Exactly. Uh, it's incredible. Have you heard the term T-shaped, uh, like personality or T-shaped skill set? For I don't know. Tell, tell me. So like describe and, it and, me. and I don't even remember where I heard this, but the idea is that like there's certain people who have a really great breadth of knowledge, but have also very deep knowledge in, in one or, or, or a few mm-hmm. very kind of specific, uh, like skill sets and areas. And, and you mm-hmm. strike me as someone who has this capacity to absorb from very maybe disconnected areas of, I'm sure even mm-hmm. investing in ARC and, and the experience there, even though there's these design elements, but that process and that team to the experiences you, that you have day to day and and like 
absorbing all of that knowledge can then be applied into yeah. these very like core uh, skill sets that you have. Is that something yeah, you I love that. you think yeah. about like like um I guess what I'm getting at is how 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 do you process this information of like cuz it feels like you are very much absorbing a lot of your surroundings, the experience, the conversations you're having with clients, the the things that you're able to and I'm guessing, but just from our conversation, you're able to draw from one experience to the next and, and create connect dots that I think most people maybe don't see or, or wouldn't see right off the bat. Yeah. Um, what is, does that ring true? Is that something that you feel you've always had a capacity for kind of being observant to experiences or, or products or things like when you were describing, uh, what works. Um, mm -hmm. and I say this because I, my brain very much works this way. And, and the first time I went to New York, my, the, my, the favorite thing for my trip was going into these small restaurants and seeing what worked like literally that's what I told like yeah. the menu to the spit, like how they leverage the space to like mm. how mean or nice the, the, cashiers were and like how they did the food and like just these like small details that I don't think is a normal thing, but, <laughs> but just like what worked for these restaurants to be able to be in, you know, one of the best food cities in the world and do it in a way that was unique to them was just so like, it was just like, firing on all cylinders as I was, yeah. you know, enjoying yeah. the city. Yeah. Um, what is that process or what, I guess I'm, I'm trying to get in your brain a little bit of like, how, how do you absorb these things and then channel them mm -hmm. to these various like projects or tasks or challenges that, that, uh, mm -hmm. allow you to maybe see them differently? Yeah. Um, I can totally relate with the New York restaurant experience. <laughs> I think a, a couple of things that help with this is um, having a brain that never turns off, mm. which lots of people have, right? Um, I'm fortunate slash unfortunate that I've got a, a short sleep gene. So I need four or five hours of sleep mm. a night uh, in order to function. And so I'm able to think and work. I think the more difficult for, thing for me is to uh, get to a space of quietness Mm -hmm. Um, where, you know, through meditation, through, uh, you know, a stillness practice, like letting go and yeah. stopping to think. And, mm -hmm. you know, this, a, a friend of mine is leading this meditation, uh, group that I'm in and, and he said, tonight we're going to focus on this, the idea that now we're getting nowhere. Now we're getting nowhere. And it was so mm -hmm. contrary wow. to me. Totally. <laughs> now we're getting nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And I just sat with that. We all sat yeah. with that for an hour and four minutes. Mm. And it was incredible. And so for me, yes, there, mm. there's, there's endless inputs, endless. Yeah. And we are banks of knowledge. We are banks of experience. And so we should be able to be banks of empathy mm. and love and care totally. as well. And so when we care for the consumer, when we care for 
the designer, when we care for the market, when we care for people, like at the end of the day, I just want to create happiness. Like I just want to create mm. things that bring joy mm, to totally. people, even if it's just a moment of yeah, joy. Yeah. Like I just want to create those things. And so this bank of constant inputs um, is inspiring and it's daunting. Um, but I think that the biggest thing isn't just the bank, it's the filter of, of how I kind of categorize each of these things. And then how do I cross pollinate between mm. all of these different thoughts and opportunities? And how does that then express itself in, you know, a brand creation or a brand launch? Totally. I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does. How, no, no I think tying really it cool. into, outputs. Yeah. to empathy in that capacity is such a, like, even an aha moment for me of, of how those things also connect to emotional, like that absorption or that, that capacity to, to notice or see or feel, um, mm -hmm. is, is something that, that I think is such a compelling way to think about brand building and community building because mm -hmm. at the end of the day to to grow community to grow a brand that really leaves an impact on people's lives like empathy has to be a leading factor mm -hmm. you have to be able mm -hmm. to really get into the mind space of a consumer what it is that they're motivated by what it is that that's going to resonate with them and then position the product, mm. the experience, the, the, the joy of, of what this thing is going to bring them in a way that actually mm. does satisfy that thing that they're looking for. Yeah. How do you, how do you evaluate soft skills in employees, in brand partners, in projects that you, uh, look to bring on, you know, you mentioned ego, you mentioned, mm -hmm you know, a lot of these already, but when you think about, um, you know, taking on a new employee or taking on a new project or a mm -hmm. new client, where in your evaluation process do these soft skills of empathy and kindness and, uh, and, and kind of, uh, win-win type, uh, mentality, mm -hmm. like what are those core things that, that really, drive th those key decisions for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think we talked about it earlier, right? What's like, what are the things that we're looking for in people? Mm. Um, we're looking for people that we want to be around. Okay, everybody says that, mm. right? We're looking for people who are super creative. Well, of course, we're designing those, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, like totally. one of those things, it's like there, there are some unique things where it's people who have that entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe they're mm. not in a place in life where they're ready to go and be their own you know, boss or founder yeah. company, or maybe they've got a side hustle that they're kind of itching that, right? Or scratching that itch. Um, but at Enlisted, like we want people who are going to give themselves and give of themselves and give the best of themselves, but that are going to do it not because they're trying to like get my approval or for me to choose mm. their concepts or whatever. We're doing it so that they can grow. Are they in a place totally. in their career? where they're hungry and they want to grow, they want to learn, right? And maybe mm. they've got 10 years in on their career and the portfolio is incredible. And then it's like, okay, does this person want to grow? Because 
my goal for all of my enlistees is when they leave enlisted, whenever that is, um, that these years that enlisted were the most challenging and mm. they, where they grew the most and they were the most exciting and they did totally. the best work of their career. Mm. And yeah. of course they made friends along the way. And of course they had cool experiences and some painful experiences too. But it was that experience where they look back and they're like, that's where I grew the most. Mm. Totally. Yeah. So those are the people that it's like, are they in that place? Like I've interviewed yeah. people who are incredibly talented, who come from my competitive agencies Yeah. where I'm just like, wow, like they're amazing, but they're also kind of like they already know and they're not, yeah, looking to not grow. willing to grow. Mm. And I'm like, hmm, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's a right fit for us. I think that's uh, something in the most successful people that I've met and, and, and talked with, whether they're you know, middle-aged or, or, uh, you know, in their seventies, like there's that mm -hmm. hunger for like learning and knowledge and growth mm -hmm. and, and that it's just this never ending pursuit. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, and I think that's where ego and, and kind of knowledge and education, like cross paths mm -hmm. and that like pursuit of growth, that pursuit of mm -hmm. uh, there's net, there's not an end to to what yeah. I can achieve or what I can, the capacity that I have to um, like accomplish. Uh, and I think perspective as well, like as we mm -hmm. get to these various things, I think people that really apply perspective and, and try to look at like, okay, what is this uh, um, that I'm trying to accomplish and mm -hmm. and see it in a way that is, you know, this progression versus like, oh, mm -hmm. I know my stuff. Like, just yeah. tell me what to do. I'll do it versus like, no, let's learn yeah. together and let's grow. And let's like, let's become better versions of ourselves on the back end of this project or this business or this experience. Yeah. 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 100%. And, yeah. and there is some of these experiences are really difficult. Yeah. Right. But it's like, there's a difference between like drama and trauma and like yeah. drama tears people apart, whereas trauma brings people together. Mm. And there, and, and so as we look at, you know, this path, it's not easy. Like, it's just not, you know, and, yeah. and just like any company we've got, um, you know, we're learning and we're growing. And I think that where we find the most success is where everybody is looking to grow and looking to learn, then cool. We're all learning together and we're all yeah. growing together and it creates more of a peer led, um, you know, leadership yeah. style. Is that something you have created a process around to really understand? Cause not everyone looks to grow in the same way where you, mm -hmm. you yeah. know, uniquely where people are looking yeah. to grow. That's awesome. Yeah, we've invested a lot in that, a lot. Yeah. So everybody at Enlisted has OKRs, which is Google's mm. form of goal setting, so objectives and key results. So, so and, and it's the same with Pattern and Village as well. So every person has their OKRs, which then ladder up to their team OKRs, mm. so like the industrial design yeah. team, that then ladder up to the Enlisted OKRs. Enlisted OKRs then ladder up to Pattern's OKRs. And so everybody is accountable to setting those themselves with their director right? right and then up to me and then me to pattern and um it's just been a really really good process for us and then we touch base on everybody has a one-on-one -on -one once a month nice. with their mm -hmm. their director whoever yeah. that is and you just touch base on your okrs you know totally. how are things going where can we help you like these yeah. are your goals right totally. obviously 
make a better enlisted, but like, how can we help you with yeah. each of these? And then when somebody isn't, you know, uh, when somebody isn't succeed or they're, they're not growing, it's like, okay, let's talk about this. It gives us a mechanism to yeah. be able to talk about these things. I love that. Final you'll question. To, oh, oh I just want you to clue me on, on what OKR is because that's a new term for me. Yeah. It's an objective and key result. Oh, okay. So what's our objective? Yeah. And then what is the key result? What does that look like? And how are we going to get there? Yeah. And One, I think that there's cool. a website called like objectives and key results.com or something like uh, that. Yeah. Like, but someone coined it. It's, it. Just a, it's a business cool. goal setting thing that Google yeah. developed over the last like 20 years. Love that. One of the things I like about you, Bo, yeah. is okay. you, you have all these little cool, uh, these little nifty sayings that you, so I've heard mild to wild. <laughs> I heard zero to hero, and then what was it? Drama to trauma, or something like. <laughs> and Love it's like, it. oh, yeah. these are these yeah. are great little like uh, little uh, <laughs> phrases to use. So. Yeah, these are these amazing. are lived experiences. Yes, I love it <laughs> for sure. It's great. All right, final question. Yeah, and they're not all for me either. Dane, oh. Dane, my VP of industrial design. He, he's the one who <laughs> really? created that's, that's great. <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. All right, final question: What role has kindness played in building your success? You know, I, I was thinking about that on the way into the studio this morning, and the reason I was thinking about it is because. I'm sure that there are people out there that are past enlistees who um, would say Bo's not kind, mm. <laughs> you know, and I, and I, and I, I hold that. Um, and I think that there's people out there who, you know, had their designs ripped off the wall. I know that there are, <laughs> had their designs <laughs> ripped off the wall mm -hmm. or, you know, what is this shit? Aren't you listening to the consumer? And, you know, we, we critique each other so brutally here. Mm. Um, we keep each other so brutally honest in our work that it is, um, it can be very challenging. And so the word kind, how, how we're kind is a very interesting mm. thing or a very interesting kind candor is enlisted is, uh, <sighs> that's an approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it is. And, and we're very frank and we're mm -hmm. very open and honest and we just don't have time or mental, emotional bandwidth for, dealing with the bullshit that you know is in everyday business but at the same time we also want people to bring their person yeah. and their personality and their whole self to the table totally. at enlisted and there is room for all yeah. of that and so where we're kind is you know i mean from a you know from like a data standpoint we're over 50 percent um female we have pay equity across every bandwidth and every role at our company um, the majority of our leadership team is female. And so we, and also the majority, I think it's the majority at Enlisted now is inter, is international or they were born outside of the U.S. And so there's a lot of different perspectives, right? And that's what we want. We're curating these perspectives to come yeah. together and to create this. And so how can we be kind to, um, how can we be kind as Enlisted? Well, A, we can push each other and, and, um, lead each other to do the best work that we can do. Mm. Okay. To create that next level shit. That's kind to each other and, and in a very empathetic, loving way, but like in a very, you know, demanding way as well. Totally. That's how we can be kind to each yeah. other's growth. Then we can be kind to our clients by always producing the best work we can by yeah. always going above and beyond. If we're doing that right, then we're being kind to our consumers who are buying the products that we're creating. 
right? Totally. And so we're being kind to that person also. And, and whether you swap out the word kind or joy, we're yeah. delivering that joy across, right? Across totally. each of these people at the end of the day, when we see our product or at somebody's house or wherever, it's like, oh, that's great. What do you like about that? And they're like, oh my gosh. So here's what I like about it. Have you mm-hmm. seen it before? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I think I've seen that before. <laughs> right? And then they yeah. tell you why they, yeah. lo- why they love it, why it brings them joy in their life. And I think that that's totally. a kind thing to do yeah. to bring joy in people's lives, whether that's an enlistee, a client, or an end consumer. 100%. I agree. I think it's it, it's definitely an area where candor is is a, a major work in progress for, for me. Mm-hmm. But, but there's that realization that uh, if you aren't delivering candor, like you're actually not being mm-hmm. kind. Because you're holding back on allowing someone to grow and progress and to put their best Mm -hmm. work forward and to really get honest, direct feedback. And so I think there's, there's that misconception that kindness has to be nice, which is very different or, or a pushover or soft, right. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, you're exactly right. It's, it's about kind of really thinking about the value that you can contribute to someone mm-hmm. and, and doing what it takes mm-hmm. to do that. Cause sometimes it is painful yeah. and, and it's hard. Yeah, it is. And that's okay. Cause we love each other enough to go through the pain together and to grow together. hundred percent. You know, my managing director, Nick Barra is incredible. He's an incredible leader. And it's somebody who I've wanted to work with for years and years. And I'm grateful that he's an enlisted now. And he, um, in one of our leadership meetings, led a conversation around Brene Brown's, mm. um, nice problem. Right. So she, yeah. she has quite a bit of content around this idea of, an, of companies having a nice problem. Mm, and so totally. over the last year and a half, we really tackled that as a company to, to overcome our nice problem so that yeah. we can actually be kind in a deeper way. Yeah. I love that. That's great. So great. Bo. Cool. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. an yeah, amazing conversation. Uh, so insightful, so much knowledge. Um, really appreciate you taking the time and, and chatting with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, dude. Thanks, Bo.